Hello, everybody. Live from Koreatown on a beautiful day in Los Angeles, a post-rain day. It is the Ozone. I'm your host, Omar Miller. I'm here with my brother, Terry Miller, the icons. How you feeling? I'm trying to get pumped. And how's your posture? I, hopefully, it's better than the last time I looked at it. It was sucking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got so much to cover, ladies and gentlemen. So much to cover in so little time. Uh, like we spoke to you about before, if you haven't read it on ESPN, go read this excellent piece of journalism with this uh, article about Tim Donahue, the ref that got popped uh, fixing games and or betting on games, if you will. And it will open your eyes to a lot. But we've decided that we're gonna we're gonna do our own special on that because it's so thorough. The article's very long, and it's, a, it's just so much brings into question in the NBA so many things about the integrity of the game for decades. It's a lot of question marks. Yeah, they leave a lot of a lot of questions unanswered, in my opinion. Um, but we got that. Major League Baseball is finally about to start. It actually started in Japan. Um, we have some tennis news. Football's going crazy, but. Well, we want to talk about the college admission scandal as well. But, you know, the main thing that I want to talk about is what we talked about. And on our last podcast, we had a guest, special guest, trainer to Earl Spence, Derek James. And he told us that Earl was going to punish Mikey. And he told us Earl was going to punish Mikey because Mikey was talking kind of reckless. So what he decided to do was punish Mikey. <laughs> and, and he did a great job. And he did a great job. And uh, I hated to see that. As much as I love to see Earl doing well, like I've told you guys several times before, to me, Earl Spence is the best at 147. I feel like he's the most complete fighter at 147, um, followed very closely by, I would say, by Sean Porter, Bud Crawford. I got a little feedback. You good? Sean Porter, Bud Crawford. Um, I mean, I, I need to see Keith Thurman get some more rounds to get him back in that, that top, top elite. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I, I've always favored Earl. There's a, you know, the big conversation is about who wins between Earl versus uh, between Crawford and Earl Spence. I've always felt like Earl Spence would win. It seems to be a stable situation where they don't make that fight. Um, Earl's that crafty lefty that also has pop. It's a serious problem. He's a great athlete. And honestly, maybe Manny Pacquiao is the best option for him at this point. Because an old Manny retirement party. and an old Manny is not going to do what Mikey went out there and did. Folks, they got weight classes for a reason. And this is what makes it all the more impressive when guys can jump up more than one weight class and win. Yeah, Mikey Garcia is one of my favorite fighters in the world right now. But you know, it's a gradual thing. Yeah, you can't just, just jump up jump too. Up like two, one thirty-five to one forty-seven yeah. is a big difference. And it doesn't seem like it's a big difference as a man walking around on the daily. If you lost ten pounds or twelve pounds or whatever, but when you're talking about being in the combat combat sport, it makes a big difference. And when you that's because in the combat sport, you're already close to optimal conditioning. Right. So if you're already right there, it makes a bigger difference than somebody like me losing ten. And leverage <laughs> has a lot to do with it. Sure does. And then and he had that leverage with his height Earl had every advantage we told you guys last week I just didn't see how Mikey could win he he was Earl is bigger faster stronger the only thing Mikey had was more experience like a six million dollar (laughs) man that's awesome so uh him and Ted DiBiase and then and then then, um yeah so but he was he was he was the the bigger fighter and he actually it was a clinic that he put on a, a beautiful yeah, boxing clinic. exhibition. Right. And it's a trip because he just imposes will on him pretty much. Yeah. And a great fighter like Mikey, he made him look like not an amateur, but just a regular professional he fighter. He made him look like a regular a, a regular and, professional. And, and Mikey's great. Mikey's, Mikey's a great an, fighter. Mikey's an elite fighter. He's an A fighter. One A-fighter. of the best in the business. Yep. 
Yep. And I think that this probably, like I had stated last time, he took some time off of his boxing career. I agree with that. And this is what the danger that I felt like with even having this fight. I mean, they did really well on pay-per-view from what I understand. So, so much for pay-per-view being dead. Um, they did really, really well. And if you look at the the stat report, you know, I'm always a little questionable about the numbers. But this time I actually believe the numbers. Earl landed 345 total punches, 108 jabs, 237 power punches. Mikey landed 75 punches over 12 rounds. 21 jabs landed, 54 power punches landed. And somehow or another, everybody's running around talking about how noble and great it was for him to take that beating for 12. His brother, man, I would have to throw talent on you. <laughs> he said like, he looked at, I, and I wish you would. <laughs> I thought It looked like he was going to throw it in on the 10th because he said in the 9th, Mikey had to ask him. To, to, he said he was. He said he had to show him something. He said, "You got to show me something because I can't let this keep going on." And he begged for the tenth round. And he gave him the tenth, and then he rolled into the eleventh and the twelfth, which was not. I mean, even when he punched him, it just wasn't effective. And I, man, I just I can't express this enough how much respect and love I have for Mikey mm-hmm. and the, the Garcia family. I like their, how they move in general. Right. I like their old program, tight unit. Tight unit. And so the score was lopsided: one twenty-one oh seven, one twenty-one oh eight, one twenty-one oh eight. It was a shutout. And maybe you gave him the second round, but if not, you gave you, you said Earl pitched a shutout. And you have to say what's next. Manny Pacquiao jumps in the ring afterwards. Earl says exactly that. I would love to give him a retirement check that he needs. Um, I hate to see that fight as well. <laughs> I call and, it a retirement and, party because usually that's how boxers go out. Very seldom do they leave like Andre Ward. They usually, Very seldom. They have to be taken. They have to be beaten. Or like Floyd Mayweather. Yeah, beaten to a pulp yep. and then leave the game. And Manny seems to be that type of fighter. Because he loves to fight. Because he loves to fight. I don't think it's about the money as much as people might try to sell that. Yeah. I feel like he just loves to mix it up. <laughs> yeah. He might meet Manny on the corner. He might want to yeah. mix it up. For yeah, a great. Bucks. Exactly. Hey, up, and then afterwards, he'll, he'll smile and you guys can go get something to eat if he didn't <laughs> beat you up too bad. And, uh, and you know, and I feel like that's a, this fight, I actually think this fight will be better than people think it is. Because oh, you no, also become you a prisoner of the moment in the fact that of what Earl just did to Mikey Garcia. Manny Pacquiao still Manny Pacquiao, and he keeps showing you that. He's just not. You just he's not the same that. dude he was in 2008, but he's he's still through ring savvy. And there's another wrinkle in that is that he's a lefty. And that lefty coming from awkward angles is going to be interesting because, you know, Earl's going to have to adjust to those angles. And, we, you know, we, we may get a call. We may or may not get a call from Derek James to speak about that fight and the result of this fight. Uh, give him a congratulations because he called it and in Mikey uh, was never allowed to get into that fight. Earl executed exactly what he wanted to do. He imposed his will. Like I said, it was just very – it was clinical. It was clinical. I mean, one of the things I think that makes Earl special Errol special is that he literally – he executes the game plan. It's a discipline that, that he has that's beautiful to watch. Because and we saw that against Kel Brook. Right. And there's, there's too many athletes out there that just are great physically that don't have the discipline to follow a game plan. And you watch and this it. is what separates. Uh huh. And for him to be at the house and then still follow through with that—that's that was awesome. I yeah, mean, come on. It was impressive. That was, it was really impressive. impressive. I didn't need to see it for twelve rounds, but it was impressive. Well, why did you watch? <laughs> I couldn't turn away. <laughs> watch, <laughs> if you don't mind? I would like to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Cat needed them to rap, and it was all bad. So uh, yeah. So one thing I will say: if he mixes it up with Manny Pacquiao. And he, he threw out a, a shots fired to the champ, Sean Porter, with the big WBC belt and said he can't sell out a family dinner. <laughs> and, uh, and, and you know, Sean responded with saying he's selling out 
the family dinner on Sunday night. <laughs> what a nice guy honest. Sean is. I love Sean. Sean's a great guy. So the thing with Manny is what's not going to happen. Manny's not going to go out there and get punished for 12 rounds. Manny's willing to get put to sleep. He's willing to because with the chance that, guess what, he, he can get you there. And so Earl still will have a lot of the similar advantages that he had over Mikey in a fight with Manny, and I'm interested to talk to Derek James about that. I think uh, I think that moving on in the boxing world, something that I – oh, you know what? On that card, I have to say, shout out to Riverside because Chris Ariola came back. And Chris Ariola actually had the heavyweight division. The world was his oyster at one point. He had a following. He was a fighter that people liked to watch. And he refused to get in shape. The, and, the, and the discipline that we're speaking of. That's what it is. He refused to get in shape. He used to come in to fight to 265, 270. And eventually he got done with the circuit of guys that built him up. And it was time to fight elite fighters. And they punished him. I was happy to see him lose weight. He came in at 239 and a half. I was happy to see him lose weight. I was actually happy to see that Chris still has his faculties about him. Right. Because he got beat up bad. He sure did. By one of the Klitschko's. By, by Vitaly Klitschko. Oh, uh, by Vitaly, by Vladimir Klitschko. I think it was Vladimir. Vladimir. Vladimir is the one that Joshua fought, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. By Vladimir Klitschko beat him up bad, made him look bad, and punished him. Yes. And, and Deontay Wilder punished him. Deontay Wilder punished him. He broke his hand on his hard forehead, mm -hmm. and then he punished him with one hand for the rest of the fight. And I was happy to see that he was able to bounce back. It's really impressive. I think he's going to end up getting the other fights now. Um, you know, maybe he'll fight that the, the big Polish kid that fights out of Brooklyn. Uh, Kanowski, I think his the name guy's is. guy's always out of shape. It's always out of shape. It sneaks up on but, you. But he's, but he's, but he's, he's low a good butterbean. Yeah, low key butterbean, but he's a good fighter. Better but, than butterbean. But he's, but he's, you know, when he steps into the elite, he's going to have a serious problem. Yeah. Um. But that'll make a good fight if they make that fight between him and Ariola. Um. So that that was nice on the undercard. Um. But moving on, I want to talk about the situation with Deontay Wilder, PBC, Showtime, and the Zone. So before this fight, we were talking about the rumor mill had it. Deontay Wilder was going to hold a press conference, tell everybody what was going on in his career and what was the latest. Well, the truth came out and he did get an offer from the zone who is notoriously paying fighters very well since its inception. And they offered him. They started at 15. They moved to 50. Then they eventually landed on a hundred million dollar deal for, I think, three fights. Two, two versus Joshua. Two versus Joshua. One warm-up and two versus Joshua, and he said no. So now when you reflect on that, who's dodging who if you talked about dodging? Because they now they're up to $100, $100 million, not 100000 Big money. Big money. Big money. And he's choosing to fight Dominic Brazil on pay-per-view. <laughs> Yeah, and if Dominic is that a pay per view fight or is that going to no, be a Showtime? No, that can't be a pay per view no, no, fight. Nobody won't pay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the family dinner. The family dinner. Yeah, so because because this dude says that you know when Anthony Joshua and they were talking about the money, you know that I offered them this, I offered them that, but now he's the one. Literally, it's out there now. So now Shelly Finkel, his manager, said this. Did you hear the reason why they said that they did this? Why they said. That they asked the zone, what is Anthony Joshua being paid? Yes, and which is completely ridiculous. And and because they never got specific numbers on what Joshua was getting, they decided to decline, do another one-off deal with Showtime, 
of which Steven Espinosa, the head of Showtime, who's really great at this stuff, mm-hmm. said, you know what? We need to stop focusing on everybody's money and start focusing on making fights. And he's very, very right. He's because, absolutely right. And and that's just an excuse because you can't – what what metric is he placing at? You know, how can he get um, Anthony Joshua money when Anthony Joshua has four belts? And Anthony Joshua is selling out 100,000-seat arenas? Big stadium sales. You can't, and, he, and he had a hard time filling out Barclays. So, I mean, I can't say that I can give you that kind of chase. Well, I just – it was disappointing to me. One, I want to see Bomb Squad get paid. Yeah, I would like to see him get paid. Too I want to see him get paid generationally for the rest of, of, of his family's lives. do that. And, you know, he's got a bunch of kids, and he's a, he's a great champ. He's a very entertaining champ. Yeah. He's a great champ. I just think that the problem was with him more so than anything is that that money wasn't guaranteed unless he beat Dominic Brazil, which might pose a problem for him because he's been exploited to a certain degree. And if Dominic Brazil can get in shape, he can give him a problem. He's a big hitter, and Anthony Joshua destroyed him, but he's still a big hitter. He's a, he's a real heavyweight. He's a real heavyweight, and he has if he has any kind of boxing skill set, he should be it should be competitive, you know. And he's a big big guy. I think he's around two forty, two fifty. He's a big guy. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see what Deontay fights at from this point going forward. Mm-hmm. I think that De- Deontay needs to put on weight to be more competitive with some of these guys that he's getting ready to start to mix it up with now. He's mixing because, up with big fellas. Yeah, because not like with Tyson Fury, he won't be able to get away with that. Tyson Fury's not a big puncher. Right. Tyson- and, I, and and honestly, if Tyson Fury would have committed, I'm with Freddie Roach on this one, if Tyson Fury would have committed to offense and not just avoiding the right, mm-hmm. he probably could have put Deontay on his back. Yeah. Deontay was hurt a couple of times. He was hurt a few times. And now now Fury is taking a, a fight with a no-name, a guy who's fighting out of Germany who's who's never fought out of Germany, I think he's. Here we go. Here we go Dang again game. with the stables. Yeah. So now we've gone from a situation where we seemed like we were able to get out of the stables because HBO was out of the game, which led everybody to think, okay, well, PBC has this deal that they're dealing with with Fox and uh, potentially, I think, with Showtime, and then it became all Fox. Then you got Bob Arum and Top Rank, um, who has, I would say, the least amount of champs that you actually want to watch, mm-hmm. but they do have some guys you want to watch, and they deal with ESPN Plus exclusively. Then you have The Zone, who's paying everybody, who went and scooped up. I mean, they got everybody. From middle on up, right? Yeah, I would say PBC is the the marquee for watching the 147, the welterweight guys, because they got Spence, Porter, Packy, uh, yeah, Pacquiao. Um, but they don't have Crawford. They don't have Crawford. They got Danny Garcia. Mm-hmm. They have Keith Thurman. Mm-hmm. That's like the, the that's that's a good stable to be to making round. You know, start making your rounds with. Right. And um, the zone. Once you go from middleweight and up, the zone has Canelo, Gennady, Danny Jacobs. Uh, they go up, and then they have Bivol in the in the the light heavyweights. Um, they got some super middleweights. Then you go to the heavyweights. They got Joshua. Uh, it, it's you know they they're formed. With I don't know who Usyk has signed. Up. I think he may be top rank. Mm. I think he may. I think him and Lomachenko are the main fighters that top rank has. I think it's Usyk Loma because Usyk and Loma are in the same camp. I do believe he has a nice I, th- skill I think it's. Low key, I think Usyk poses the biggest problem to Deontay Wilder outside of Anthony Joshua. Yeah, no question. Yeah, and he's a complete fighter, and he's tough, and he's a and southpaw, he's, and he's not that much smaller than Deontay. Yes. So I don't think moving up is going to be, you know, 
um, be the thing. You know, Deontay's got that great equalizer, though. It's Bomb Squad for a reason. It's Bomb Squad for But guess what? <laughs> when the guys know how to fight, they can actually take that away from you a little bit. If Tyson Fury had had more tune-up time, you yes. feel like he would have fully taken it away from him. Yes. They'll take that away from you, not just from, you know, from a defensive standpoint, but punishing your smaller body. Yes. And that takes away, that saps your strength. Right. And pretty soon you're in the crab crawl because you're trying to cover up. And this is the kind of work Usyk does. Right. I'm very interested to see Usyk move up. I hope he moves up to heavyweight. I don't, I mean, I like He's the only fighter. He reminds you a little bit of Vander Holyfield. Not a lot, but you would have to see him in more competitive matches. And see, he's somebody who I believe the the flip side. He would give Anthony Joshua a problem, but Anthony Joshua is just too small. He's too big. He's He's too big. big But I think that I think that with Usyk, you're moving up from cruiserweight, and potentially, I believe that Usyk has what everybody thinks Loma has, which is the idea that Usyk makes fights that should be competitive. (laughs) Not competitive. Yeah, because he's a fast big man. He's a fast big man. That's fundamentally sound. Uh huh. And And, and he has an unorthodox style to a certain. And he's the only fighter in the world that has all the belts. He's the only fighter in the world that's unified right now. Which is impressive, and especially in the world of stables. I ain't trying to knock him. It's not impressive because everybody's hiding from each other. You know, everybody's trying not to get a zero. Obviously, he's not hiding from anybody. Right, he's not hiding. <laughs> but, you know, so we can't take that away from certain guys because now we're looking at a situation where Deontay Wilder actually had the chance to unify, and then now he's darting it to a certain degree, and this is a unification match. This is what he's supposed to have been fighting for. You're talking about him and Joshua? Yeah, him and Joshua. It's going to be very interesting to see how it all plays out. And but the stables, you know. It hurts the game. And now they're, they're, you know, they're planting this seed with this lineal championship or champion, which is. Yeah, they, they, I don't want to hear about no lineal, nothing. Is there a belt that goes with the lineal? And I also don't want to hear about multiple belts in, in, uh, in, within a division. So, like, right now, Manny Pacquiao's the people's champ. People love Manny. Manny has a belt, but Manny actually has a regular WCB, WBC belt. Uh-huh. Sean is the WBC welterweight champion, mm-hmm. meaning there's divisions within the division. Right. So that they can keep creating belts to keep getting people, you know, a reason to fight. This is why you had that situation with Broner all the time turning up for a belt. And it's like, how did he turn up for a belt? He just lost to somebody. Right. Next thing you know, he's a champ. Okay, now then they can start selling that on advertising. Oh, champion, uh, blah, 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 blah. It's like, come on, man. So everybody needs to do their research is what you're saying. Or all of these sanctioning bodies need to stop playing games and just be stingy with your belts. Have one belt per weight class. Quality over quantity. That's what I think it is. I, that's that's what I think the move really is. So, I don't know. So what belt are you up for? <laughs> right now I'm up for the, the lunch belt. <laughs> I'm looking for to pick it up. I'm looking for medium sauce. <laughs> but <laughs> links. I'm looking for tips and links. Medium sauce. So, yeah, so, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out. Um, and and honestly, I just want to see the best fights. They should have a round robin. Let's, let's do I'm not a, I'm not a fan of the round robin. The only reason why it takes we, too long. Yeah, and the only reason we need it now is because of the stables. But fighters should just fight. You look back in the 70s and 80s, those guys just mixed it up. It wasn't a, a thing where this guy's in this group over here, this guy's over there. And I, like I said, I don't believe that the guys are scared of each other. That's what I was going to say. I think it's business because I don't think it's the guys. Now, with this thing with Deontay Wilder, it makes me question a little bit because I think that he might be having a little doubt planted in his head as far as... Or, see, to me, I don't think he has a doubt. I think he's Shelly just Fingle? getting... Yeah, I think he's just getting bad business advice because... Because Shelly Fingle and them don't actually know they, that he's flawed as they, a fighter. They, they, may, they may be there. Or, Shelly Fingle and them are like, you know what? Let's gamble because I'm not the one risking taking a beating. 
You don't know. What kind of gamble is it? Fight Dominique Brazil. You That's a serious gamble. You lose to Dominique Brazil, and then he'll just be in the cornfields. So you, jeez. <laughs> so you think. So, the corn. <laughs> so you think Wilder loses, depending if he loses in a spectacular fashion, nobody even cares to see the Joshua Wilder fight. Why would they? He, he lost his belts. That means that Dominique Brazil is the next guy up who Anthony Joshua literally destroyed um, to fight him for to unify. It's about unification. It's about to see who's the top dog. You and I-T-Y, you got to let him know. Mm-hmm. It's about that you and I-T-Y for yeah. us, always. And, and Anthony Joshua has got to take care of business against Big Baby, which I don't really feel like this is going to be a problem. Right. Of course, they're fighting, but, you know, he should beat him. Deontay Wilder, the only reason why, even in the past, you can hear me say he's flawed as a, you know, because he doesn't, he's not fundamentally sound. He just relies on he's the an home athlete. run ball. He's, uh-huh. he's a tremendous athlete. He's a tremendous athlete. He started boxing late, and he's yes. a tremendous athlete. And that's like him stepping in there at one point. It'll be like him stepping in there with an Earl Spence type of guy who has everything, the fundamentally sound, and it causes you a problem. When well, you, you saw it with Fury. Yeah. And by the way, that wasn't the best Tyson Fury that no, we saw. No, that was not the best Tyson Fury. But I also feel like Tyson Fury is overrated now. Everybody's jumping on the Tyson Fury train and, you know, thinking that he's something that he – I mean, he was undefeated. But you look at the, his quality of opponents, Vladimir uh, Klitschko was the one that he got. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is big. But he was undefeated. So you can't – yeah, there's no there's no way to, to front on that. Yeah. Interesting, interesting stuff. Well, want to move on. I really want to speak, and I've, I, we've waited, folks, to talk about this college admission scandal. Um, and I didn't want to just jump in because I wanted more information to come out. It's a terrible situation. Unless you've been living under a rock, you saw what happened. We have wealthy, influential people um, of note right now. The, the main faces you see are Felicity Huffman and Lori Laughlin. And they're paying people to get into high-end universities. They're paying a, a go-between, basically, a middleman who figures out how to game the system with a complex scheme of having you take your SAT entrance exam at a certain spot with a certain proctor who then in turn will correct your answers before the test gets recorded so that you can get the score you need to get. There's, to go where you need to go. To go where you need to go. There's big money being exchanged. And it's a, it's a, it is a situation – of an embarrassment of riches. Now, my issue is this. High-end education has been corrupted for a long time. It's been corrupt. It's been corrupt by legacy admissions, by I went here so my son should get to go here and I'll spend money and have a building named after me. It's been corrupt. Um, This takes it to another level because it just is another example of peeling the Band-Aid off of the wound and showing it. And to me, this is another Trump effect because this just shows more and more how America thrives on this corruption, but it also thrives on the propaganda that hard work is the way to the top. And it's all it is is propaganda because everywhere you turn, you see that Americans that are that play the game the right way are not rewarded and incentivized by any means to the same degree that Americans who cheat are. Yeah, so basically we've been bamboozled as a society. And we've bought in. Yeah. And herein lies the problem. And herein lies the problem with having A-Rod call games on Sunday. Exactly. It all ties together. It all ties with Robert Kraft now wanting to fight or suppress the videotape of him getting his happy ending. You know, all this kind of stuff. But everybody, 
wanted to turn a blind eye to it and act like it wasn't going on. Everybody knows this stuff has been going on forever. It just so happens that now with this Trump effect of everything that it's really the, the microscope is out there. And there's a big division. There's a big gap there between the have and the have nots now. And so the have nots are having a little bit more to say. And then now we can actually get more of information out and, there. And there's a voice with technology. Now. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I think that what's happening is, is that the have nots are actually now becoming aware and awoken to the idea, awakened, if you will, to the idea of exactly how rigged the system is. The system is rigged and flawed in so many ways. Forget about college. What about prison? You know, if you have money, you don't go to jail. And if you don't have any money, you go, you go to court, then you go to jail and stay there. And you, and you may be executed. And you may be executed. Come on, man. And so, so with this, I, I want to tie this into what we talk about normally, which is sports. The reason this ties in is because part of this scam on the college admission scandal is they're giving away scholarships for kids who are not even playing sports. Right. Which means that the scholarship is being taken from someone who actually needs it. From a potential athlete. And all of these situations are being who probably biased. Yeah, probably worked his butt off so that he can actually pass the S- get a high score on she. SA- he or she on the SAT. And now it's not being rewarded because this person has more money than I did and so that they can actually invest in the school. It's, you know, it's the equivalent to me of the Booster Club. You know, Very similar to the Booster Club. I was a victim of the Booster yes. Club in high school. So if, you don't, if your parents decide that they're not going to give any money to the Booster Club, you won't play. You won't play. You might, you might make the team still, but you won't You'll play. You'll make the team. when you give you a spot, spot at bat. You yeah, know, here and there. Here and there. You can pinch run. You yep. can do all yep. that kind of yep. stuff. Yep. Yep. But yep. you're not going to get consistent playing time over this kid's who family who gave us $5,000. Or who gave a donated the, the sod for the field. Yeah, or gave What's us that? a case of balls. Or, you know, yeah, whatever season, it was season, that they did. You know, whatever it is. Yep. Yep. And, and it's bogus because our society is built on capitalism, but this is the capitalism effect you know, overall. Because greed is being rewarded more so than you know, actual hard work. And everything else. Because there's enough out there. Oh, there's enough. And there's definitely enough in success. Yes. And now, here's – to me, there's so this thing is so deep. It, it, it goes to so many different elements of society. And you can tie it into now – you look at Major League Baseball. The guy who beat up – the Giants owner who beat up his wife is not facing any charges. Not facing any charges now. Robert Kraft turned down a plea deal <laughs> that would have him not face any charges. Yes, basically that was. And I and I felt like the plea deal was out of line. Why would you? Why would he get a plea deal? Why? Would, and now if you if you substitute Robert Kraft and with me, my, what's my man's <laughs> name on the on the on the Giants? The owner of the Giants? I can't remember. His name. I can't remember his name. Let so, but if up. you substitute those guys with players on the team, forget about regular Joes with players on the team. If you have a player, if one of the New England Patriots players would have been caught in this, I believe, I don't believe it would be handled with the same, it would get notoriety, but the league would punish him. What's going to happen with the league? Right. Oh, we got to, you know what, our call comes in, we're going to go back to this, because this is really important to me. Yo, yo, what's up? Well, you got it. Derek James, live on the Ozone, after a magnificent performance down in the Big D. (laughs) Boy, oh boy, you told us what was going to happen, and you wasn't kidding. Why'd you guys do that to Mikey? Hey, man, we didn't do it to him, man. We just gave him what he needed. <laughs> you tightened him up and gave a tune-up. <laughs> hey, listen, man. <laughs> and, <laughs> I, I don't even look. You put, even though we, you call him, it's like, I don't know what to say. It's like, put it like this. He, well, for him underestimating Errol, right? He underestimated him. Everybody said Errol couldn't box. Errol couldn't do this. Errol couldn't do that. 
and then he did everything they said he couldn't do, which we already knew this, but it's obviously they didn't know it. So, hey. Well, we said it when we spoke to you last week, man. I didn't see how Mikey could win the fight. And I've been very, very high on the Earl train for a long time. And and yet, you know, everybody, we even had somebody come on the show and try to tell us it was a pick'em fight. How is this a pick'em fight? (laughs) What did we pick it? (laughs) One guy is bigger, stronger, faster. I don't. I couldn't see any way that he could win it, and it was obvious. I felt like one of the best things about this fight was your game plan and er, and Errol, uh, you know, executing it. That was beautiful. Yeah, that was beautiful, man. And I have a question about that because he was so patient, and you were so patient with him in the corner because you see, guys, Mikey Garcia is a dangerous guy. Even at right. you know, even in he out of his weight doing. class, he knows what he's doing. Right. And if right. you would have right. given him an opening, I do believe Mikey would have executed his game plan, which well, I don't yeah, know what yeah. it was. You know what I mean? But but he would have been able to execute something. And you saw a little glimpse of that in the second round. In the first round, Errol came out and dominated. In the second round, the only time I saw Errol have any sort of lack or lapse in focus was in the second round when he decided to kind of see. He didn't press the issue. He kind of waited to see what Mikey was planning on doing. And you got him. You snapped him out of that quick. That was the only success that I saw Mikey have in the whole fight. Because Mikey tried to get him on the ropes in the corner. Yeah. He took the fight out of the center of the ring, and he he bullied him uh, a little bit, and Earl went for it a little bit. And then you snapped him out of that. So, So with that, though, you watch this situation. He punished him. Why do you think that... The fight went twelve. Like, why? Why do you think Robert didn't throw in the towel? Was it the moral victory? I, I mean, like people say, really, no moral victories in boxing, right? I don't know really what it was. I know that. Um, I what happened in the eleventh round? I went over to him and said, "Listen, man, y'all got to stop the fight, man. What's wrong with that?" They need to stop. <laughs> I, 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 oh, you went over there. <laughs> wow. I went to like I went to like halfway to the middle of the ring. I mean. What y'all doing, man? Y'all got to stop the fight. And then the nephew looked at me and gave me the thing. Like, he's like, oh, no, we can curse on it. He's like, fuck you. you know? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> wow. And then I, then, so, wait, when he said that, this is what I told Errol. I said, listen, do not throw a lot of punches. Throw your punch down down and rotate on the punch. Use your body. Put your body behind every punch. I'm knock him out. Go get him. Go get him. So, in the 12 hours, what I told him was, well, listen, they're not going to stop the fight. We have to make them stop the fight. This guy getting hit. And listen, the brother said he wanted to stop. The father told him to stop it. They tried to stop the fight in the ninth. I'm sure you've watched yeah, it right. since then. But watching on the broadcast, hey, man, it was ugly. And like I told you, I love watching Mikey fight. Mikey's one of my favorites right. in the game right now. I hated to still, see Mikey get punished like that. Right. Yeah, you made us be an accessory to a beating. Hey, man, but listen, it was like this. I think that they needed it, and they needed it for 12 rounds because I'm going to tell you what. Everything, they're, they're very pompous. Very arrogant. Even though in the, in the interviews in front of Harold, they're like really nice, right? But if you look at any of the Ellie Sussback videos, right? About, he's gonna knock him out. How Harold is just basic. I don't see what's so special about him, and all this other stuff. So it's like, even the day before the fight, Harold's a basic fight. He's nothing special about it. We're gonna beat him up. So it's like, okay, and you just really hear it, and then the fans are like, well. Oh, uh, you know, Errol should go mauling, but if you try to box him, it's going to be bad for him. I'm like, okay, man, you know, so it's beautiful, man. But I love the spirit you give me. Like, when I'm talking to you, okay, <laughs> man, <he> said, <laughs> we going to go get it. 
Man, well, listen, we call it like we see it. Yeah. It's just plain and simple. That's how when we first met you, we showed major love because we've been watching y'all. Right, right. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Hey, man, I really like that you guys brought the jab back into play. The wow. jab is a lost art, and he used it to perfection. That was unbelievable. And he punished the body late. Usually, you know, I think everybody yeah. expected Earl to come out and body snatch, but he established that jab right. and controlled the fight with it. And then come right. seventh, right. eighth round, I mean, that after the ninth round, I really almost turned the channel. Like, he he was beating the hell out of Mikey. Yeah. But in a really bad way. And we're talking about an elite A fighter. Yeah. Mikey Garcia is an A. Don't get it twisted. Mikey is a top-notch guy in the ring. He's a pound-for-pound. He's a pound-for-pound great right there. And then, listen, this is what the funny thing about it. So I was talking to somebody. I said, listen, man, what I actually did was take a pound-for-pound fighter and take his whole offense away from him. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Listen, and took it out to see. And, and, and this was funny about it. And we kind of talked about it. When I listened to people talk about how intelligent he was, how if people wouldn't have talked about it, it wouldn't have came to me like that, right? Mm. Like he's so intelligent, he's so he's so like he's so intellectual as a fighter. So I'm like, man, I said, okay, so when I said, okay, so what we're gonna do is while he's trying to think, we're gonna keep <laughs> a jab in the face so he can't think past so he can't think past the jab. And eventually right? he's punch like, drunk. Right, right, right. But so people talking. I said, okay, that's what we're going to do. We keep the jab in his face. Then afterwards, they were talking about, well, he's this, he's that. And I said, Errol, listen, this is what. And I, when I thought about that, I came and told him at the gym, this is what we're going to do. But then a couple of days later, I said, okay, this, I said, he's a shorter guy. He's shorter arms. He only has two options, maybe three. The two options are he's going to come to you or he's going to try to catch you coming in. Because everybody already knows Errol is aggressive. He's going to come. So we're going to catch him coming in. I said, okay. But I said, and maybe thirdly, he might try to counterpunch. So we'll see. So Mikey tried everything that I said. He do, he did. And he wasn't quick enough. Was like, he wasn't fast enough. He couldn't catch right, him. Right, doesn't have the size. Right, 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 right. So it was like, so it all, and, but when you're prepared, and the brother said, this is one thing about the brother. He gave a consolation interview. But at the same time, he kind of didn't say the name. But he didn't say, well, the trainer had it prepared. Like, come on, man, listen. You didn't feel like he gave you the love. He didn't give you the respect that you deserve trainer to trainer. Well, I think that he just was like, everything Mikey tried, Errol was prepared for it. So, right. like I said, we took his offense away. And there's something you can do to take away a fighter's offense. Where they want, several things you can do. One of them is counterpunching. And, but we didn't, we didn't really counterpunch him until we got close to the mix. But I won't get into it because some some boxers might be listening. Somebody, <laughs> ah, they're listening. Believe it, they listen. They're listening. They're listening. One of the things I love that you did, D, is that you had Earl stand tall. Yes. And I tell you what, I can't tell you how many of these fights that I've watched where, where the big, the, guy, the gets big guy gets small. I just watched it the week before last with Ugas and Sean. Mm-hmm. I love Sean Porter. Sean is my, actually my friend. But Ugas kept bending over for some reason. Sean like five, and it wasn't, seven, yeah, five, six. And it wasn't because he was getting body work. He was no, just he was just his... bending over. You're not helping yourself with right. this. And these are basics. This is, I'm Stand not, I'm tall, not, pop the jab. That's it. I'm Keep not the little man guru. out. Keep the little man out. Make him pay to come inside if he wants to do that. And you can see that Mikey would have to pay a big price, if, a he, big price. if he dove in there. And pretty soon he got to the point right. there that you right. knew that he needed a knockout to get in there. There to, was no offense. He had no offense. But you know what? It's like so. Listen. So listen to this. I, I'm I'm a new age guy, right? 
Okay. I believe in standing tall, but you can't stand too tall because just like in, just like boxing, like football. So if that defensive back is standing up straight, he's gonna get smoked off the line. Right. Mm-hmm. So he got to be. In, so he has to be in the ready go position. You got to be in an athletic ready position. Right, right, ready to go. So just like boxing, so he can't be too high up. But what I did, I watched when he fought Robert Easter, right? I watched how he jumped up to a taller guy. So he wasn't really doing punches higher. He was jumping up trying to hit Robert. So I said, okay, when he gets on, that's what he's going to do to the taller guy. So I watched him when he fought Adrian Brody. At the beginning of Adrian's fight, Adrian was moving a lot. So he, I realized that he has to get set to punch. So, but if you're not shuffling, just like I said, uh, if you're deep in the back, that deep in the back, as you get set to run, you're going to get smoked every time. Right. You got to always be set at all times. But Mikey would have to set the punch. When he threw a hook, he would have to like kind of tighten up. Mm. So I said, okay. So, like, when, when I saw that, those are the two things. And then when he throws the right hand, he tends to think about this. This guy is a double jab right hand artist, a triple jab. He didn't throw really any right hand. Couldn't get it off. He couldn't even get it off. And he and he knew if he threw it, he was going to have to pay with Earl's left on the counter. That's right. That's right. You're right. You're right. You're right. And I watched the little video of him. You know, we did the little, the little television show, the little fight camp. So I saw them try to practice countering the right hand. I was like, okay. I know not to give anything. And like, I guess they're like, so what? There's nothing, nothing they can do about it. But he was so worried about that jab. Man, he was worried about that. He took so much body punishment too late. I, rounds 8 through 12, he took punishment. Man. Yeah, you think, think about this, guys. The jab is the easiest punch to throw. It's a punch you throw more often, so you throw with more frequency, so it's easier to throw. But it's the hardest punch to block. Man, right? Man. The hardest, it's the hardest punch to block. Easiest punch. It's the fastest punch you can throw. And, and listen... Just like if you watched him, you saw Jamal Charlo versus a kid named Philadelphia. Uh, Jamal knocked him out with a jab. Oh, mm, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, I can't, I can't remember Cat's uh-huh. name. In the first round. Uh-huh. In the first, like, 30 seconds. In the first round. Oh, yeah, so when you step in, so think about this. The jab can really be the hardest part to throw because it's the physics. People talk about boxing. They talk about the sweet science, but there really is physics. To it. Oh yeah, yeah. Your whole body behind the punch. Boom. I mean, it's so um, Julian Williams was got that. But when you Julian step in with a shot like that, man, you see how hard it could possibly be. But Harold was just hitting with a jab, man. And that was beautiful, man. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. It was. I completely agree. It was. It was a beautiful, ugly brawl. Right. <laughs> you know, one of the right, biggest. Right, right. One of the biggest things is that now what I really appreciated was to watch him throw jabs because it seems like fighters don't use it as much anymore. I watch Anthony Joshua do it, but most of the time fighters don't use a jab anymore. We talk about it all the time. We call it the lost art of the jab. Which is why Gennady Golovkin is so fast. Yeah. Um, okay, now, all praise. You get, you, man, you, you put together a monster. And congratulations, by the way, on the numbers. I'm hearing the pay-per-view numbers were outstanding. Which is great. Thank yes. You, I appreciate yeah. Thank you, thank you. Uh, because also, besides the fact that you guys get paid, um, the other piece is, is you know, there's there's a real war right now trying to make pay per view not the option. Obviously, with the contract right. that you guys are under, pay per view is the the, the main option. Um, right. Right. With the platform you're on. Now, speaking of which, we saw him invite. We saw uh, Spence invite Manny into the ring after the fight. 
Manny right. came into the ring. It's so hard not to like Manny Pacquiao. He's just such a likable guy. And, uh, right. you know, he seemed happy to be there and was, you know, he right. watched the fight and was like, wow, man, you put in work. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> and, and now, do you see that as the next step? And I, I got, I got a couple questions for you and gonna let you run with this for a little bit. Do you see Manny as a realistic next step? Because I remember when Sean won the belt against Danny Garcia, you guys jumped in the ring, and it was supposed to be Sean and Earl as the next step. So there's that. And two, how do you feel now with everybody pretty much universally recognizing Earl now as the the better fighter between Crawford and Spence? Because forever, I can't tell you how many people I get in arguments with about how everybody telling me Bud is better than Earl. And I personally told him I like Bud, but I like Bud at 140. I haven't seen him put in work at 47 like I'd like to see to give him an edge over Spence. So how do you feel about that? All of a sudden, everybody's – do you think it's prisoner of the moment? Do you think people actually appreciate his skill? And then what about the next step with uh, potentially with a showdown with the legend Manny Pacquiao? I think that – first of all, I'll answer the one about his skill. I think that it, it gave them another reason to love him or for the people who didn't like him. They, it gave an idea. It's okay, well, he can do other things. So it showed his depth. And I think that, that's beautiful because now they don't know really what to expect. Which, which, which throws a whole other um, form of complication to the whole situation. Because now you train for one thing, you don't know what he's going to do. You have no idea, right? That's but big. For, 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 for the uh, shows another dimension. But for the uh, Manny Pacquiao situation, Manny said weeks before the fight that I'm going to the fight and I'm going to challenge the winner. And he said, I want to fight Mikey. So I said, so basically he was hoping and willing that Mikey had won the fight because he figured he would win. Right. It's a much better matchup. Yes. For an old Manny Pacquiao, Mikey Garcia is a much better matchup than Earl Spence, but both of them can give him a lot of, uh, you know, both of them can give him a problem depending on what weight class that they fight at. But you know, that uh, I I I understand what you're saying. No, but then when, when it comes to Manny, man, Manny's a great fighter. He's still good. He still beat he beat um, Adrian Broner just recently, and so I think that he's he's good, man. I mean, he has an amazing name, amazing uh, reputation, an amazing record. So I would be ready for that. I think that you know um, this one we will we'll fight a different style of fight. And I don't know how it's going to go to the 12th line or not. Just going to say <laughs> that it'll be a great fight. Because he Manny still can get you. Oh, yeah. You oh, yeah. Asleep, if, you, if you fall asleep, Manny will knock you out. He, he will. will. He will, he will, he will you keep out. you asleep. <laughs> and i tell you something else. i tell you something else, in, in my opinion, is that uh, we were just talking about it right before you called, is that, you know what? Manny's not going to sit out there and get punished for 12 no. rounds. Manny would rather get knocked out than to 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 get sit out there and just get dominated, just get with, yeah, and get peppered. He's not going to do that. He like Earl Manny comes to fight. Yeah, Manny's not coming to to a fight to dance. Manny's coming to a fight to actually somebody needs to, to fight. get beat up. Yeah, <laughs> right. it's like the fight, right? Yeah, that's uh, right. And it's one of the pieces, reasons that the people love him. That's right. That's why they love Earl. Also, that no doubt Earl is a fighter. So you know, um, you know, and, and Manny would be phenomenal. With with. Even with Mikey, but see, Mikey's so smart too. Mikey could possibly catch him coming in, also. Yeah, well, Mikey's smart, right. no doubt, and he's got pop. But, but 
I think I think that Pacquiao's a better athlete though than uh, Mikey. Manny, that would I cause agree. my problem. Manny, Manny, Manny Pacquiao is probably one of the greatest athletes to ever right. lace him up. Right, right, yeah, because he's so athletic. Put like this: he's not a skilled, he's not technical. Right, that's his true athleticism. Mm-hmm. That's real athleticism. Yep, that's real. That's real. But what happens is he's doing those straight punches, man. He's rotating that body, punching hard as hell. I mean, he beats people up. Like literally, he beats he, people he up. Beats him up. He, be, he beats them up. So, but well, the old man would beat him up. Right but now, he's. I mean, like Errol said, that's what I'm doing. Well, man, man, he's well, yeah, he is, but if he doesn't want to fight me, he needs to get out. He needs to retire. Other than that, 100%. do? 100%. So we're, we're not saying we want to fight him. We're saying he's a guy with a belt, and he should retire if he didn't want to fight now. On the flip side, Manny Pacquiao is the WBA world champ. Keith Thurman is the WBA super champ. So what happens, even with Keith Thurman, right? I don't want to fight Keith Thurman. I, and, and, I and I don't want to see not, y'all beat up Keith Thurman <laughs> right in this not, current not, state. Listen, listen to me. Not this version of Keith Thurman. That, yeah. that's, that's, yeah. what, that's what I just said in this current, in a, this it's, current it's, state. Right, right, it's a disqualifier. He, he, needs, he, needs he needs some more work. Fights. He needs like two or three more fights. And this is the thing about it. Life doesn't give you that type of situation. It's true. Ain't it the truth? I, I say to myself, Either one or two things. He has to talk to the WBA and come up with some sort of resolution. Say, listen, I'm the world champ, a super champ, but I'm not on my game. So could, if I were to relinquish this belt and fight lesser opposition just to get my skills ready for two or three fights and then come back and fight these guys, could I do that? I'm with you. Yeah. We watched that. We watched that fight. And honestly, from the point that he got his neck snapped in, never I, in like the fourth or fifth round, it was over. It was over. It was over. He it never was, recovered. He, he never recovered. He was glazed the whole fight. And I'm a big one-time fan. Yeah. Before one-time got hurt, I, talk, I used to talk to him at the fights. I remember the first time I met him was at the Floyd Mayweather-Maidana fight, the first one. Right, right, right. And, right, right. and I told Keith back then, I said, you know what? You might actually be able to beat Floyd because you're a great athlete. You hit hard. You're not scared of getting hit. And then he ran into all of the string of, you know, obviously you have the, the being on the same stable, but he ran into a string of injuries and so on and so forth. Watching that last fight, he needs work. And I don't know I if you can get. I think he needs a lot get, of work. I think I, more than two fights. That's what I'm saying. I don't know if you can get back where he was with the way that his, because what you saw was a loose neck. Right. A loose neck is not something you can tighten up quick. Right, right, right. I would I would be surprised for him to recover. You know, at, how long do you think it's something like that takes for you to recover? Because he took a lot of punishment to the head in that fight. In that fight, in in, in seven rounds, five or seven rounds of that fight, he really man, he got beat up bad. Because the recovery time that he needs, he also needs to be fighting. Right. That's, that's right. So see what happens is see, that is the problem with him. I mean, it's either he retire or it's sad because I don't want to fight him. No. Yeah. He retire, he fight. The reason why, I mean, either he retire or he fights L. The reason why I say that is because that's the biggest money fight he's going to get. Right. Uh-huh. Right? So, either you retire, because it's so hard to watch. I mean, like, listen, I'm not going to say I was a key tournament fan because I'm in the sport, but what I say is that, and we're in the same way, division, what I say is that 
I want to see the best version of him facing Errol, if, if we're going to face him. Totally, and that's totally respectable. Honestly, that's an integrity and a, that's a characteristic that you don't see in boxing now. Right, you people want to get it. Yeah, people want a cheap, the, the easy dub. They want an easy victory and as easy as they can get. And the Keith Thurman that fought, you know, that was fighting before 2017, Cito, yeah. totally different guy right. than the guy that fought right. Josecito right. Lopez. Totally different right, guy. Right, 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 right. And some of it is ring rust, but also. You, we all know how boxing is. Some of that ring rust never comes off. Yeah. And then it takes a guy that if, – if Jose Cito Lopez punished him like that for those last six uh, – five rounds. I think it was like the seventh round when he fired, when it started to look – when he just had to get on his right. bike and just yeah. running. Yeah, right. If a guy of, of, of Jose Cito Lopez's caliber who is, you know, at the tail end of his career, who's supposed to be a journeyman at this point, who was supposed to be a yeah, it was, fight. Yeah, it was, it was retired. He was retired. <laughs> right. Come on, yeah. bro. How are you gonna go to the top of the heap and fight? You can't. He can't. You, you can't. You ain't. You aren't there. You ain't ready yet. I don't know if he can ever get ready now after watching that. That's, that's he took what I'm so saying. much punishment. I mean, there was a lot of punishment. That's what I said. Because I don't. I mean, but I don't even want to fight him because I don't think it's fair to him. It's not fair to the fans. It's not fair. I mean, look, it's wait, not fair. Look. Yeah. And now tell me this. Now, what do you think? Sorry to cut you off. What do you think about the second half of that question about now everybody awakening? to the greatness of Errol Spence? I think it's beautiful, man. I think that. But you know what it is, too? I don't think about it. So I'm happy that we won. I'm happy that everything's happened. But when you start to think about all of that, you lose the steps. You lose yourself, right? This is like the celebrity who, who, who loves to be approached. He lives for that. And he's only that because of, he feels good about himself because people approach him. What about the day nobody approaches him? Right, yeah. People don't know who he is. They forget about him. Well, see, I can't get caught in that because I will lose my steps. Like, people say, Derek, you're fighting in Dallas. You're from Dallas. and so grand and so huge. I say, yeah, but I can't think about that. They say, why is that? Because I will miss every step before the day of the fight. Every step I take would be a misstep if I'm thinking about how big it is, how grand it is. It's funny that I have to stay in, within myself, man, and say, I'm happy about it, but I can't like be so overjoyed that we made it because I don't know what making it is. And oh, you know, I think when you make it, it's at the end of the road, right? You made it to the end of the line at a successful career. So for me, I'm happy about it. I'm glad that they see that he is more than just a banger or a brawler. But in reality, I want to, you know, I want, I want more. So. They know it? Okay, we want more. We're going to push the limit. We're pushing our issue till we get to where whatever it is Errol wants. Hmm. All right. Well, we appreciate you calling back. Wanted to show love. You did exactly what you said you were going to do, and so did Errol. And that's a that's a beautiful team. Teamwork is beautiful. And honestly, I think the teamwork that's taking place in the welterweight division is more evident and more beautiful than in any other division right now. You got you and Earl. You, you got uh, 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 Sean and his dad Kenny. You have you have fighters that are with their guy, you know, and it's right, very right. it's it's nice to see. Right, that's how you build a fighter. You know, that's how you build a legacy. Right, right. Well, I'm happy to be back on the show. I told y'all <laughs> <laughs> I'll be, I'll be we roll with you. Time. We didn't yeah. fight it. Yeah, we were not we fighting. I know you did. I know you, I know you did, and I was like, man, I, I was thinking. 
Hey, they're going to hit me up. <laughs> 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 they're going to get right here and hit you up. I was like, because I know they didn't forget. So I was like, no, 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 no. No chance. It's beautiful for the love, bro. To be honest, I mean, it's beautiful for the love. Just, just really to see, like, how you all expanding, you know, your, the situation from being acting to this to that. So whatever, I mean, like, to have your own podcast. We got to do it. We only I, I get one go around on this thing. Dude. Right, right, right. I think I think we're living in a beautiful time for us in America. Like, talking about, remember, remember I talked to you about last week about how we grew up watching uh, fights and TV styles, right? Mm-hmm. And during the fights, it would be it would be like nothing but Hollywood in, in, the, in the front. It was unreal. Yeah. Right? right. So think about the, now that age is back and we are the guys who are in the mix, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, hey, man, it's beautiful. That's all I can say. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, love is mutual. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, now, well, D, thanks for calling in. We'll get you back sooner right. than later. Anytime you want to rap and yeah. talk about boxing or any other sport, just give us a shout. Yeah. You let me know, man. Look, I'm a regular on the show now. <laughs> you ain't <laughs> you know, you a friend, you, you know, you a friend you, of the Ozone. Let's do it. Oh, yeah. Whenever you want to talk about boxing, you let me know. All right. There it is. All right. Now, peace. Take care. Bye. Yeah, later, guys. Yeah. Oh, that was great. Was. That was great. I mean, he he told us. <laughs> he did I'm sorry. Tell us. I don't know what, I, I'm sorry. What else can we do? So uh, back to what we were saying, though, about the the college the the college mission scandal and how it overall it's overall connected. The man from the Giants isn't facing charges. Robert Kraft turns down a plea deal. Um, now in a in a really think ride with me on this one, folks. In a really advanced society. In a society that was interested in the greatest possible outcomes for all of its members, why would higher education be hidden? Why in the world would you want less people to get into Harvard? Why? Why would you want less people to get into Yale? Wouldn't that devalue the... the it devalues society. Right. Not just the, the um, you know, you graduating from that school. You, no. you paid for something that you actually didn't earn. And, and well, but I'm just, I'm not talking about that yet. I'm talking about the idea. I know what you're talking that about. That these schools came out differently than that, than where you went with it. The, the ideas that society has an exclusionary tactic for school. Why would society not want as many members of its society as educated as possible. Now, I understand that there are different levels of education and intelligence in society. Some people need to be at the JC. Some people need to be at the state university. Some people need to be at a trade school. Some people need to be at a university of the state. Some people need to be at a high-end private school. I understand that. But what kind of society are we living in where the society itself wants to exclude as many people as possible except for those who are already privileged from having the best possible chance at furthering society by getting the best possible exposure to education. What it shows me is the wealthy, especially the wealthy in America, but I I venture to think that it's the wealthy around the world, but especially the wealthy in America are willing to do absolutely positively anything to make sure that inequality remains. 
anything that's necessary, I'm willing to do to make sure that I maintain an advantage. Now, do you think that that's by purpose? Yes. And I, I really believe that because inherent in that is the concept that if things are equal, I may not win. So because of that, I know things aren't equal. And, and this is the, the, the argument that's always made is, well, it's always been this way. And yeah. now it's my turn, you know. And, and I just think it's a fine oil machine that works for itself. I don't think that people particularly go out to do these things, but it's just that it's just like you said, it's the way that it was, it's the way that it, they feel like it's the it's way the that it should be. Business. It's a cost of doing business. You know, you watch people all the time. It, it, now that's not even a question of integrity, although it actually is when the rubber hits the road. You know what I'm saying? You have to make a conscious decision. Now, one of the, the, the tricky things about this is that they're saying that the kids actually, more of the kids that didn't know that the take was on. You and know? I believe that. I believe it with some I don't, of them. I don't think, I don't think for the with most the majority. part. Yeah, I would think that for the most part. See, now this is where I, this was my, this was the last point I wanted to make about this. Go ahead. No, I just want to say that in that, in that perspective as well is that the kids are stuck on stupid because you should actually know if you go and take an SAT, how you should have some kind of feeling on what you scored on the test, whether or not you should be able to get into USC or Yale. And, I, or and I'm going to go one step. I'm with you and to support that and to go one step farther than that. Here's my point. You actually cheat society in this way, which may even be worse. I'm on the fence. I don't, I don't really know how I feel about it yet, which may even be worse than taking the spot of somebody who really needs the exposure to a higher education, which will studies have shown over and over again, blacks and Hispanics, Latinos that are exposed to higher education. It generationally affects the economy of their communities right. generationally yes in a in a higher clip than it does for non blacks and latinos the blessing of education that's what it is and reason being is that because it's a finely old machine because the way that we are in society is systemic whether or not the kid gets into yale or goes to the jc if that kid is family is well off that kid chances are that kid's going to end up making 100 and something grand a year anyways right it's going to end up getting to that point now, the way that I think that it, you may even cheat society even more than cheating who could potentially be your best and brightest, that are the best and brightest kids that just get cheated and don't get a chance to advance as they should, as they deserve to, is you create generations and generations of entitled kids who now believe that they were smart enough. That they were good enough. So you eventually. So that now, let me finish this up. So that now these kids are the kids that cannot understand how the system is slanted. They can't understand why. Why doesn't it just work for you, dude? You're not working hard enough. Pick yourself up by your bootstraps. They can't understand because in their mind, they actually believe that they got into these schools and that then life worked this way because of their hard work. But this is what I'm saying. There's no way that. I don't feel like that you can take a test actually and feel every test that I've taken through my whole life. I can have some kind of idea uh -huh, of what, what I've done on that test. And most of it was not that great. So in that, in that situation, I could say, Hey, you know what? Maybe I pulled out a C minus or something like that. You can't go and take that SAT and felt like you tested high on that. And then enough to warrant to you for you to get into Yale. Or to Harvard or to USC or to any of these schools. Which then lies th – this then taps on the door of the bias that is already accepted, which is legacy. 
which is saying, well, my dad went in. So even though maybe I didn't get a super high score in the SAT, but the fact that I have family members that were already there, and you know what? I did have a high GPA in high school. Okay, well, so, so if you look at it like that, you're taking it just the SAT standpoint. Yeah, but I'm talking about in general because it's not just your SAT score. You know, it's your SAT score, it's your GPA, it's your letters of recommendation. It, all of that stuff is what goes in. Right, but I'm just talking about when you take a test and you know that you need to test at a higher, uh, a specific level to be entered into a specific university. But what I'm saying also is that these people actually had to know something's going on if you put me on an athletic scholarship and I'm not an athlete. You know, you're giving so much credit to the idea that rich people are so involved on their hand-to-hand in their day-to-day. Yeah, maybe so. And they're not. And I don't believe that the, the, the kids of these people are actually involved in filling out their applications. I don't think they're involved. I was involved in figuring out FAFSA. The, right. the, the the financial aid. Mm-hmm. I was involved. Right. I wrote stuff out. I had to write letters. I had to do this. I had to find grant money. I had to find scholarship money. I was involved. That's what Mama did. That yeah. we, were, we were together, and we did stuff together. The kids that I knew that were wealthy didn't do that. They They put in some applications that their parents paid for. That they then in turn got a letter in the mail that said, oh, I got accepted to Berkeley. Oh, I got accepted to Stanford. Oh, like, look at this. I got accepted to the University of Michigan. Okay, but what I'm saying is that if you're supposed to be an athlete and you don't play sports, how can you justify that? As the person who's getting into the scholarship, whether your parents helped you out or not, when you go and register for classes or whatever, the, the coach or the athletic department is going to call you in there to have a conversation. No, they're not. This is you. I think you're missing the whole point I'm, of the I'm missing. I'm missing the whole point of the yeah, scam. Yeah, you're missing it. What, what I have nothing to do – the girl that has the crew scholarship, right? She never meets the crew coach, but she never meets the athletic director. Well, what I'm nothing on her paperwork that says Susie Johnson oh, okay. crew uh, uh, scholarship. That that she doesn't have any of that, so she has no idea that she's supposed to be an athlete. That's what you're telling me. No, and who's gonna ask? There's ten thousand students I, on campus. Who's yeah. gonna? You're saying that as an as a collegiate athlete that was on scholarship. Yeah. So because you were a collegiate athlete that was on scholarship, they asked you for documentation to go for your meal plan, right? For this and for that to go to study hall. Mm-hmm. They're they're not asking her for that. <laughs> Because the guy that set up the scam that was paid the million dollars and a half a million dollars. He took care of everything. It's all inclusive. Soup to nuts. <laughs> soup to nuts. There we go. That <laughs> explains know. everything. I didn't, oh. You would have went soup to nuts off the top. I would have done uh, soup to nuts. Soup to Marty Singer. Not Marty Singer. Marty Singer's the lawyer. What's the guy's name? <laughs> Singer. This guy's name out in Newport Beach. Rick. Freaking Rick Singer. <laughs> Rick Singer had more than 700 clients. What's Rick the short for? Richard, even though oh, this Rick is yeah. short for William. Okay. Yeah. So I thought Dick was short for Richard. <laughs> and then that's true too. Okay. But but Dick went out of fashion. Oh, okay. So that day they started going Rick. Rick. We bring in Rick. Rick the ruler. That's what it is. The ruler. So yeah. So this is this is what. But overall, it's just sick in general because oh, basically sick. you're taking somebody's spot who actually needed it more than you because you're already advantaged and you're taking a disadvantage. Already at you're, you're a privileged person that's taking so, already in an advantage. It's unbelievable. Yeah. You're already. And then you want to piss on the person level that's. In society. <laughs> yeah. And then without fail, you will get to the school and they will treat you like somehow or another you were less than and you're an affirmative action baby. Right, you you were a charity case. Yes. Oh, they had to. This it was a quota thing. They had to. They had to admit a certain number of of of, of 
colored people. So that's why this person got in. And this is why I'm telling you it's so dangerous. Because that sort of thinking is reinforced by the idea that they actually believe that they got in legitimately. That only works if you believe you got in legitimately. You, you can't, otherwise you're actually insane. You can't logically think that without being insane. You know what I mean? Well, I felt like some of those kids knew that they were supposed to be there on athletic scholarship or whatever, and it was just, you know, par for the course. There might have been a situation where they say, well, you don't have to worry about going out there, you know. And I probably was thinking about it from an athletic perspective. But, you know, what I'm saying is that I thought that they literally knew that they were there on an athletic scholarship. No, no, they're not keeping a secret. If you if you go to school, nobody ever asked me my financial aid status other than when I went to the financial aid office. Right. Like nobody asked me about my grants. Nobody asked me about any kind of uh, scholarships. Nobody ever asked me. That wasn't on my my student ID card. Right. My card came loaded with whatever my meal plan was, you know, my access to the gym, my access to the library, and that was that. Nobody asked. How, who's who's going to ask? The only reason they asked and the reason you're thinking is because you actually had to go to practice. <laughs> you actually had to go to games. You actually had to go, you know what I mean? That's what that is. So that that's and, – and I could be wrong as well, but I do believe that is how they – you know, that's how the kids were – perpetrating the fraud they didn't i don't think they knew uh-huh now no. is ignorance a defense well this is the problem you're being set up it, because the ignorance who? You're, you're being set up no you're being set up in 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 being ignorant because just like the the person who has the confidence that you know what i did i can take this test because i studied for the test they now believe in life that they've studied for life, and they haven't. They've had a corner cut. They woke up on second base, but they believe they hit a double. And this is so dangerous. Great analogy. They believe they hit the double. They don't recognize that they, they actually just got placed on second. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that's the this is the this is the problem. This is and it's a major problem to me. This is why this is such a big story. Everybody's acting as though it's a surprise. I'm not surprised. I, I'm I'm pretty surprised that that the information has come out, but even the legal ways now, let me ask of influencing college admissions is is bunk. Let me yeah exactly. But let me ask you this: Why is it that you think that it came out? I don't know. Now see, this is there's usually something behind this, it. This is why this is why for I didn't want to speak on it on the show for you know it's broke more than a week now, uh-huh. and this is why I wasn't in a rush to speak on it because I was hoping that that information would have come out by now. Would have leaked a little bit, and and you don't know if it has something to do with the idea that it's uh, left leaning Hollywood types. Kind of makes you think that okay, perhaps it has something to do with the current political climate, mm-hmm. and there were some investigations done, and it was decided that there needs to be some dirt splashed on the on the left and on the liberals as opposed to uh, on the right and and the right bashing, the conservative bashing that's going down. So I don't know, but that's if I had to guess, that's what I would you know if I had to lob a guess, that's what I would say. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's a, this is. I mean, I don't think this is the last time that we're going to speak on this. But it will be the first time, the second time, rather, that we can speak on John Morant. <laughs> Once again, <laughs> let's call this this dude. He's not available now, apparently. He's, uh, he's hiding because... He's ashamed of himself. He should be embarrassed. Shut down John Morant as though he wasn't even... And that he was a midget running around at the park. That's what he said. That's what he said. And well, John Morant, he's 5'9". Yeah. 
And so he the John Morant lit you up last night for a triple double. A nice one too. It's Ja, not John. Ja. It's, it's, it's Rule, ja. baby. It's ja Rule, baby. Yeah. And uh and he lit you up with a beautiful triple dub. Oh nice. my goodness. And took down the number five seed, yes. the number twelve spot. That kid he's he's wow. a real deal. It's gonna be interesting to see what, Much what watch. is happening. Yeah, he's must watch TV. Um, you know, I haven't been following the tournament, I have to be honest, folks. I'm busy, all right? But uh but but it's gonna be interesting to see. March Madness is always fun. Um we're gearing up towards baseball season. It actually technically has already started. They played a series. The A's and the Mariners played a series in the Tokyo Dome uh, over in Japan. And honestly, even though I'm not usually crazy for teams having to start overseas and then coming back and blah, 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 this time I'm down with it because it gave one of the greatest players to ever lace his cleats up the opportunity to retire in his home country. And that was Ichiro Suzuki. Mm. And he retired in game two of that series. And honestly, when you look at it, you can make a, a an argument that Ichiro is, I don't know, maybe top 25, 35 guys of all time. You look at his Definitely. numbers. His numbers are really, really nice. Ichiro set the record with 10 straight years of 200 hits. He is not impressed with Major League pitching. And on top of that, that was during the juice era. Right. And he's crazy wheels. Crazy hoes. Crazy hoes. He actually could hit for power, although he... If, he want, if, if Ichiro was willing to be like the rest of these bums and hit 200, he could give you 50 bombs. I think he can give you 35 or 40 bombs and still hit in the high twos. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it. Because he has great back control. You can see Crazy that. Crazy back control. You can see that he has control. There was no way that you could ever put a shift on Ichiro and think that he would let you get away with that. No he, chance. He would steal two to three bags a game. A game. I if think it, it's a couple of times he stole like four or five bags in the game. and, and, and He would have been up there with Rick, I do you, believe. You feel like they had to slow him down. And all of this came in the latter half of his career. Right. I mean, if you add his numbers in the Japanese league plus the major leagues, he's the all-time hit leader. Yes. Now, most people don't want to do that, and I understand. I'm not mad at that. But it's undeniable because when he got here, he still wasn't impressed. He was not impressed. <laughs> so whatever you're talking about, Ichiro needs 250 hits <laughs> in the season or whatever, whatever it was. And he would get him any way he could. Whatever you're talking about. I'm on base, man. And he still has wheels, by the way. Ichiro can still skate. Well, you can tell that he At takes 45. great care of himself. Have, did you read that article in Sports Illustrated? I think I mentioned it on the podcast last yes. year when it came out. His discipline is unmatched. Yeah. He's there, rain or shine, and his regimen is incredible. I'm very interested to see what Ichiro does with his life now. And you probably won't hear from him anymore because he's such a such a famous figure in uh-huh. Japan that he's going to— don't think he's going to be a baseball ambassador? I don't know. He could be the counterweight between Asia and uh, the States. And he could just post. And he could just post. He could just post. Uh, at a superstar at, level. At a super at the highest level. Rock out. And rock out, dude. Total rock out. And just, just say, you know what? I gave enough. I gave <laughs> enough know of it. my life to the game, and everybody knows it. Right. And you talk about clutch, forget about it. Baseball, because you can't get over that WBC. I never will be able That's to get not over the <laughs> what I saw in, in, the, in the World Baseball Classic two times. Yes. Two times. The first two. Game on the line. The first two World Baseball Classics, Japan won. And it was because of Ichiro Suzuki. Game on the line. Series on the line. Big knocks. World Championship on the line. Big knocks. Big knocks. Against, against Korea, against Cuba, destroyed the United States. Oh, forget about it. He had to punish us. <laughs> Don't even put him in his category. <laughs> Don't even put him in his category. Inferior baseball country. 
Unbelievable. I mean, I watched it with my own eyes. Yeah. This guy, base knock up the middle. Big. I mean, I'm, I'm still yet to be, and we've been at the Game 7 of the World Series. Yes. I have never been at a game that was more rocking and rolling than the Korea versus Japan game at Dodger Stadium. Intense. I have never been to a more intense baseball game. It's intense. They Man, that was fun. We as Americans, we can take that loss and just go head back to the beach, you know, go get us get something paid. to eat and whatever. And go get paid. Spring training, get paid. Time for spring training. Those guys take it serious, dude. Yeah. It's we finally a, took it serious. Online. You got us yeah. one this last one. Yeah. Uh, enough was be, enough. Not going to be the same without him. It's not going to be the same without him. <sighs> yeah, we still got a uh, – staying in baseball. You still got Ked Krimble who has not signed. <laughs> but guess who did get signed? A fellow out in Anaheim <laughs> by the name of Mike Fish. No, Mike Trout just set a record. And, you know, honestly, a lot of people are saying he gave them a discount. Really? Because when you add the numbers 426.5, for Mike Trout. Comes to 220 a game, right? I don't know what it is. I can't even do the math. But it it, it comes to Trout – uh, keeps Trout in Anaheim for the for his entire career, and the thing about it that's to me that's crazy is there people are saying they gave him he got a discount because it's knocks off the two years of the extension for one fifty five that he had already signed. Mm-hmm. So even though he's the highest paid in baseball history, how old will he be when he retires? Thirty nine. I don't know, but thirty nine in theory when this when this deal ends. Thirty nine and guys now can play. You know, guys that take care of themselves can pay can play past that. The only problem I have with it in the latter part of your career is that you know the fans turn on you. They're going to turn. I don't know. It depends on if he gets him uh, the ring. And then the other thing that they're going to do Stay is with Angels. Good luck by the by the by the end of his career. The theory is somebody else will have signed for more yearly average than what he's making, so the deal won't seem like an albatross. But we have to. I would be remiss to not point out. What's considered two of the worst deals in baseball history were signed by the Angels in long-term deals. $125 million over, I think, 8 or 10 to Josh Hamilton. And nice. $240 million over 10 to Albert Pujols, who was a Dominican 33 at the time. I do believe. <laughs> nice. 31, something like that, which is who knows how old he really is. Still hard for me to believe that Albert Pujols is younger than me. With his dogs barking. Dogs screaming. <laughs> dogs. By, the, by, by the All-Star break. <laughs> <laughs> that howling wolf. By the all-star break, Albert Pujols' feet are screaming. Oh, my goodness. Every year. It's painful to watch. Every year. It's painful to watch. I can only imagine what it feels like. Forget about it going for a triple. <laughs> man. Man, man, man. Yeah, so, you know, this is big money. I, You know what? I don't know how I feel about the deal. I don't. I think. Me either. I, I'm, I'm up in the air. I don't think it's. It, on its face, it doesn't look like a good deal. I also don't think that Mike Trout's the greatest player of all time. So, that, that I mean, if you feel like Mike Trout is one of the best 25 players in the history of the game, then you think this is a great deal. Yes. I am not of that mind yet. <laughs> I mean, the jury's still out because his career is young. The jury's not out with me because you can almost name 25 players off the top of your head that I still, even though Mike Trout, uh, Trout's numbers are crazy, I would not pick him if we had an all-time fantasy draft. Forget I would get about it. I'm not. I would, I would not start with Mike Trout. No way. No way. I mean, come on. 25 we have, guys. 25 guys. I'll give you 25. Yeah. I'll give you 25. Hank Aaron. Ricky Anderson. Will, pff, Willie Mays. Rick. Mickey Mantle. I mean, <laughs> just keep going. I mean, DiMaggio, we, yeah. Ruth, Garrett. Ed Williams. 
Frank Robinson. Come on. Brooks Robinson. Come on. And we're not even throwing in pictures. Babe Ruth. I'm not even throwing in <laughs> pictures. I'm not even. How about Babe Ruth? He does it both. Come on, man. I mean, and honestly, once again, I will harp on this. Roberto Clemente. Yeah. His numbers, although they've come up with this fictitious war thing, Mookie Betts' numbers are right there with him. What is Mookie going to get next year? Do you take Mike Trout over Ichiro Suzuki? No. No. Chance. <laughs> no. No way. No way, no how. No. Yeah. I don't know, man. I mean, call us crazy. You guys can call in and actually call us crazy if you like. Uh, the number, I call you nuts. You can call me. You're crazy, and I'm not. Uh, 424-254-9663. Call and leave a message. We'll play you on the air. That's 424-254-ZONE-9663. And for those of you listening across the pond, mate, that's a plus one because we're in the United States. All righty. So opening day starters, the Dodgers decided to move Hunjin Ryu to the starting spot. Right, and Urias is getting to give him a start as well. He's Urias in rotation. is a, a guy that can dominate, that yes. they are asleep on. Yes. And it's if they keep turn out to be one him, of the they're going to give him the job of Chamberlain. Please don't do that. I'm just saying. Yeah. Jackie Robinson. Come on, man. I mean, it's just the list it doesn't. Willie Horton. Come on. I mean, we can. Al K-Line. Come on. There's a lot of guys. There's a lot of guys. There's way more than Smith. There's way more than 25 guys. There's almost 100 guys that you can name I'm, before I'm, Mike Trout. Want to take Mike Trout over Ozzy Smith over the greatest shortstop to ever do it? Lace him up. I don't know if I can take Mike Trout. I mean, I do know, but I can't take Mike Trout over Derek Jeter. <laughs> Are you crazy, <laughs> Bernie Baseball? <laughs> Bernie Baseball? You come on, man. I mean, this is what I'm talking about. Everybody's caught up in the moment. Mike Trout is a great ball player. He's a not, great ball player. Not to even knock Mike Trout, but you guys are putting too much pressure on this kid to be something that he's not yet. And his numbers are what they are, but we can't all of a sudden come up with a way to quantify it, to a metric for it, and then bring it and, and post that next to the guys from the past. It doesn't work like that. Tony Gwynn? TG. TG didn't even strike out 100 times in the season. <laughs> Or his career, I don't think. <laughs> Come on, dude. Vladimir Guerrero. I'm taking Mike Come Trout on. over Vladimir Guerrero. Come on, man. Over Rod Carew. Come on. <laughs> Hot Rod Carew. Are you crazy? I remember him getting that triple in the All-Star oh my game. God. Unbelievable. That's against <laughs> the best players in the – Come on, man. No no lowering of the bump. None of that stuff. Man, I'm telling you. No shifts. If you, if you watch baseball your whole life, you've seen a lot of guys play the game. And Mike Trout's a great ball player. But there's – I haven't even – I mean, Rick is my favorite, so you got to say it, but my other favorite – I got you. Ken Griffey Jr. Yeah. I'm going to tell you – somebody's going to honestly try to tell me that Mike Trout is better than Ken Griffey Jr. And I honestly am not crazy about Barry Bonds, but I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to take him over Barry Bonds. Because there's a, a 0% chance that I'm yes. taking him over Barry Bonds. I watched Barry Bonds not miss a pitch for four years. <laughs> Never miss his pitch. Never so, miss his pitch. Well, Kenny Lofton was here and stated that. Yeah. You know, but the thing of it is, is that this is what I'm talking about getting caught up in the moment. You can't get caught right. up in the moment and have an all time draft and say that I'm going to start with Mike Trout. It's just, it's just it's craziness. We got to do an all time draft show. Yeah, we should. All time draft would be awesome. <laughs> oh, man. Who, who would you start with so I can steal it? I can't tell you. Yeah. Well, actually, I can tell you. You know who I'm going to start with Babe Ruth. I'm starting with Ricky Henderson. <laughs> would you? Over to Babe. Nobody's more effective in a one-run game than Ricky Henderson yeah. than I ever saw. Yeah, but except for Willie Mays, probably, and I didn't see him. Willie, come on, man! I would take you know, Willie. They say, probably they say Willie Mays the ultimate. That yeah. really in real life, Willie Mays, him, Mickey Mantle, him and Mickey Mantle. Forget about it. Come on. I mean, I'm you know I'm going with my era, 
So I'm going. I like to go over the whole thing, man. Forget yeah. about so, so your Eric. Even Ty Cobb's numbers are crazy. He was a racist, but he was, the numbers were crazy. What I got to do with the game? Yeah, what I got to do with the game? Oh, speaking of which, I may go with Peter Francis Rose. Yeah. The all-time hits leader. Now, let's talk about that real quick. I know we're short on time, but <laughs> this guy, we're bringing in gambling in baseball. How about this? And now Pete Rose, the all-time hits leader, is being on the outside looking in. Why is it that now Pete Rose needs to be put into the, the Hall of Fame, right? Can we say that Pete Rose should be there now? I, I've been. We're, we're gambling on it now. It's the the cat is out literally out the bag. It's, uh, the fox is in the hen house. He's in. He's eating good. He's eating good. It's unbelievable. Well, we'll leave you with that, folks. We didn't get to cover everything. We just we got to give you more episodes. We okay. We get it. We got to give you more content because we love to bump our gums. My father just told us the other day that to put the thing on to put Instagram on his phone <laughs> so he could listen to us bump our gums. <laughs> it was hilarious. Uh, all right, gonna leave you with a quote here. Uh, an un, an unquoted, an, an unnamed quote, and it says, "Effectiveness begins with elimination. Choose your ignorances as carefully as your interests." It's really deep if you get into that one. We're all in it together, folks. I'm your host Omar Miller. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I'm all over. You can find my brother Terry, the icons, E Y E C O N Z, all over as well. Argue with us. Tell us how you feel. Just have an opinion, for God's sake. This is the Ozone. Oh, don't. I'm just living the dream. I'm in love with the lights. This is not just a game. This here is my life. Cameras on me, yeah, yeah. Put the cameras on me, yeah, yeah. Put the cameras on me, yeah, yeah. Put the cameras on me, yeah.